In this episode, we wait out there with Adam Walker from northern Michigan. Adam grew up fly fishing with his father and grandfather in the small streams of South Dakota and reconnected with the sport in medical school to help decompress. We discuss the gray drake and hex hatches, as well as mousing on Adam's new home waters, the Pierre Marquette River. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Okay. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for being on the Wait Out There podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Matt Carricker, aka Vino, uh, said that it might be a good, uh, good time talking to you and you might enjoy it as well. But uh, I'm actually looking forward to meeting you soon, hopefully. Hopefully, I'm going to be on the next trip down to the San Juan River with you guys. And uh, hopefully, this is not the, fr- the last time that we, that we meet. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. It, it was, uh, it was super memorable, memorable trip a couple years ago. Was that your first time down to the San Juan river? It was. Yeah. First time fishing in New Mexico. First time down to the San Juan. I actually, um, I like, I, uh, try my best to do. I, I coordinated it with a, a, a conference that I was going to. Um, so kind of mix, uh, mix a little business and pleasure. And, and those conferences just always happen to be in places where I'd like to fish. I don't know how that works, but it just, it just works like that. And so, uh, so I met those guys down there and we, uh, we drove up from Albuquerque. Yeah. So it was a super fun trip and, and, uh, got to see some of your artwork that came out of that, uh, picture from that trip, which is super, super cool. So that's right. I forgot <laughs> about the San Juan rainbow show. That's right. Um, yeah, thanks. Already off to a good start. That's right. Yes, <laughs> plugging the uh, the art. Was that your fish? That was that your fish? That no, I don't know whose I don't know whose fish that was. I think that was Eric's fish. Um, but um, I thought it was. That's why I wanted to paint it for him. But the the, the fish there, just I mean, just beautiful. And 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 I was amazed. You know, I'd heard, I you know had, had talking to a guy before we went down there, and he was he was giving me a hard time. He goes, Oh, those, you know, those planted fish and those planted rainbows in the San Juan, you know, I don't know. I, you know, just kind of the, what we were talking about, kind of the, kind of the that elitist mentality. And, um, and, uh, he's a friend of mine. So he was, it was, it was all in good fun, but you know, there, there was fun. no, there was no fisticuffs. It was just all in jest. It, it didn't get quite to that point. Um, but, um, you know, those rainbows just get huge. And they're, they're triploid. They don't, they don't reproduce, um, Nat, they don't reproduce. And so that all their energy just really goes to getting big. Um, but the number of the, the Browns are not planted. I mean, the Browns are, are, are wild fish and just the number of big Browns that we caught on that trip was just yeah amazing. Well, like I said, man, it's on my short list and I got dates and, uh, like I said, hopefully next time I see you, we're shaking hands and yeah. catching fish. Is that, so we talked a little bit earlier before we started recording. Um, can you, you, 
have to, like many of us, you tie your fly fishing into the opportunities that, that you can, mm-hmm. uh, the trips you take, or like mm-hmm. you said, a conference. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, can you talk a little bit about, um, how you got into fly fishing and how did you, did you always have to do it this way? Was there a period of time in the beginning where you really got hooked and then your life took you in a different direction and now it was like yeah. doing the best I can. That's kind of my story. Yeah. So I didn't, yeah. I don't know if it was similar for you. For sure. For sure. So actually, you know, I was thinking about this, um, cause we had talked a little bit before about kind of how, 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 how this journey started. And, and I would say the journey into fly fishing started as like a seven-year-old kid with a little, uh, fishing rod and a worm at the end of the, a, a worm on a hook in the little streams in the black, in the black Hills, um, in South Dakota, where I grew up. And there's a, a number of small, small streams there. Iron Creek was the one that I grew up fishing with my, with my father mainly. And once in a while, my grandfather, and we would fish out there and we would drift these little worms into the holes and catch brook trout or little browns or something. And it, that was really where I got hooked on fishing and yeah. fishing, moving water, which is, there's something about there's something about that, that we all, I think we all love. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember I, I would, um, head out there with my dad and my, my grandfather who was, you know, he's not alive anymore, but kind of a child of the depression. And he did not, he did not believe in, um, releasing any fish, no matter yeah. how big, how big or small it, he would, he would have these, he would have these little four inchers that he would demand get cleaned and, and eaten. Uh, there's no, there's no, no catch and release. And, um, anyway, I just, I just, um, you know, I, I just grew to just love it. I mean, it was, it was, um, what I wanted to do. Um, and it, I, you know, that was my kind of my main hobby growing up. And then, um, probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old, I got the, um, I got the Walmart fly rod, uh, for a birthday that we've all had a Walmart fly rod. I feel like that's, you know, I wrote a whole blog post about it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it it's, happens. it's part of all of our stories and it's, um, and I think, you know, I think my, my folks were, I had expressed some interest and, and, uh, my folks were like, well, this is probably not something he'll stick with. So, you know, we get them the right. cheapest thing we can find. And, and, you know, I use that thing for the next 10 years at least and that's weird you caught fish with it got fish with it tons of them <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah i know i know and so um and so yeah so the um and then it was really in the black in in the black hills in south dakota that it's it's just a, it's a area of small spring creeks really yeah. um and brook trout and brown trout some rainbows and um you know french creek natural area grace coolidge creek hay creek um all these little little streams at spring creek that nobody's ever heard of that that's just little pocket water and big tall grass on the edges and um you know a lot of in the summer it's a lot of you know terrestrials just drifting terrestrials through these through these pools and and uh and so that really um really is what got me hooked and it, it mostly was a an activity that i did with my um, I did with my, my father. Um, I didn't really know anybody else. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have any, any friends that uh, were into fly fish. It wasn't kind of a big thing. Um, and, uh, and so it was either solo, um, which I have 
no problem fishing solo. In fact, I, it's one of, I, I really enjoy it actually. Um, or it was with my, with my father, um, typically. And so, um, that's kind of how it started. And you went that way. So did your dad have to get a fly rod too when he got you one or did Yeah, he had one, uh, okay. and he had done, he had done some, uh, fly fishing in the past and he'd done a little fly tying. He had a kind of a homemade vice made of a, you know, a piece of plywood with a, like kind of a, I don't really remember exactly. I wish I probably still have it somewhere, but kind of a homemade real, really homemade looking thing. Yeah. Cool. And so, um, yeah, so kind of started messing around with that a little bit. Um, and then started to buy some materials and then, um, started to tie a little bit. And then when I, when I left home, it was basically just when I was back in the summers, I would fish a little bit. I went to school here in Michigan actually, and okay. hard, hardly fished at all. Uh, when I was, when I was in college, uh, for whatever reason, it seems like that's when a lot of people do, but I just didn't it kind of, it kind of faded away during those years. And I too much, uh, college. beer drinking and girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I understand. I could have went more than I did, but, uh, I did go quite a bit. Yeah. I would, th- I would say in hindsight, I, it wasn't as much as I would like looking at the opportunities that I had in Colorado, but, right. um, yeah, I get that. And so you're from, um, South Dakota, right? Yep. From South Dakota originally. And you went to school in Michigan and now you're yep. in Michigan again. Right. And so, was it after college then going on with your career that you kind of just kept jumping back to fly fishing as, as able as you're yep. going along? Yeah. So then, um, when I was in, uh, I went to, went to school out in, in Minneapolis, um, got, just got back into it. And I sat next to a, sat next to a classmate, um, uh, in, uh, my, my first year of, of medical school there who, um, whose husband became, really great friend of mine actually was one of my groomsmen in my wedding and we just fished a, a lot together out there, the root river and the rush river and all these kind of driftless area, um, streams in, in, uh, Southeastern Minnesota, Southwestern Wisconsin. Cool. And, um, and really got into it there. Uh, and I had, you know, I just, it was kind of the, it was like the, it was the out for me when I just needed to get away and yeah. put away all the, you know, the studies and the, and the stress of, uh, of school and all that, we would, uh, jump in the car and drive over the border to Wisconsin and fish the rush river was, was one that we were mainly at. And, yeah. and so that really kind of was my re-entry point. And then it's kind of, it's, it's been pretty steady since then, I would say. Yeah. I have a similar kind of thing where I had, I, I had sprints, you know, like times where I went a lot more than other times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty typical. Like I was mm-hmm. talking with uh, Matt, you know, typical of some people, um, certainly myself, where you do the best you can when it, when it's tough. Times are tough, you know. Right. I wish I had gotten into fly tying a lot earlier because it's been a it's been a godsend for me mm-hmm. uh, when I haven't been able to go as much now. Um, but I I do go I go more now, make more of an effort, um, of course, right? But. But yeah, I enjoyed those times in my life where I was able to go in sprints and uh, look forward to those future opportunities as well. Yep. And um, so now, now you're in Michigan and you've been there a while. And so, are you starting to feel um, a little less as a, a little less of a nomad in your fly fishing journey? Yeah, I mean, we're planning on staying here. 
we're Good not, we're not, we're not planning on going anywhere. So, uh, it's been great to get to know the local rivers and actually just really fortuitous. We moved here in 2017 and, um, yeah, we got, I got to know a neighbor. He lives five houses down. He's, he's a guy in his seventies now. And, uh, we started talking and he's, and he was like, yeah, you know, um, you should come up to the, we started talking about fly fishing. He said, you should come up to this, uh, this fishing camp that I belong to up in, up in Baldwin, Michigan. And so I said, yeah, it'd be great. And so we go up there and it's, it's this really cool place. It was built and then there's a bunch of guys from the town, that little town that I live in that kind of pulled their money together in 1925. And, um, they bought this land along the Pierre Marquette river and Baldwin yeah. Creek. And they built a lodge there. And ever since that um, time, the charter, the charter for the, for the, uh, for the camp was that it would have only 16, 16 members at any one time. And, um, and so we had fished up there a couple of times and he said, you know, we've got a, we've got a guy that's kind of in, you know, kind of in failing health and is probably going to, you know, give up his membership here pretty soon. If you're, if that's something you'd be interested in, you know, that might be, um, we, we could look, you could look at that. And, and it's just like, it's the, it's just this amazing place. It's right on the Pierre Marquette river. It is, um, it's, you know, original like log cabin, you know, it's been updated a couple times. And, um, and so that's, so that's been like a way to kind of, it's kind of centered, uh, centered. Uh, it's, it's, it's the place I go to when I want to fish now and I want to just get away and, uh, there's no Wi-Fi. There's terrible cell phone service. Maybe if you walk out to the end of the driveway, you can get some and there's no phone. And, um, and it's just, I try to get up there at least, one night a month um, during the summer, and I'll be up there this next week to fish the, hopefully fish the gray dray catch if it happens. Um, but uh, so yeah, so it's been really good to get to know these know these rivers a little bit and feel like not feel the pressure. You know, when you're new, you only know. You, I mean, you know this from the military. You, you're only going to be someplace for three years, and yeah. you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out everything quickly and I don't have much time. And, you know, <laughs> if I don't do it this year, I'm not going to, I'm not going to figure yeah, it out. I know that feeling where it's like, man, if I don't get after it this summer, I've only got one more summer and, right. and all those reps count, you know? So if you mm-hmm. miss out on those repetitions or those times going, um, you know, you can't get it back in that area. Right. And, you know, I, I just, I think that, you know, time on the water, people talk about time on the water, but time on the same water too is important. Oh, for you, sure. You get to know even, I mean, even if it's just on a trip, you know, if you're going on a, a trip, a fly fishing trip, yeah. um, I, I, I really try hard now. Um, it's almost like, I don't, th- I, I really don't break this rule anymore where I, I stick to one river just because yeah. I want to just get to know this river the best mm-hmm. and it's too tempting for me to like try and fish this one and that one right and then i'm driving you know and i'm, I'm having to learn go to a new fly shop and talk to new people and right and um and find new spots and just that first day wherever you're at even if it's i'm going to be here for a couple years or i'm going to be here for a week or whatever the first right. day first days is just is a lot of it is spent just exploring and figuring yeah. things out and um you know it's, it's noticeable for me. It's yeah. noticeable. Like, okay, I'm, I'm obvious. I'm catching more fish cause I just been here longer. 
for sure. And, and you start to find spots that you like. And then even if it's just time, you don't have to drive as much to different spots. You can just go to the kind of spots, you know, and like, and, yeah. um, and then if you want to explore, it's more of a one-off, like, Oh, you know, I caught a bunch of fish yesterday. Maybe I'll try something new today. Cause I don't have that. Like, right. Uh, I got to go catch, fish. you know, I got, I got to get after it cause I'm up here, but yeah, it's good to be in the woods too, you know? And I think just, you know, even just the, um, you know, if you're in the same place, just the years that year after year repetition where you kind of understand this is the rhythm of, you know, this is when this hatch usually happens and it's going to be sometime between this, this point and this point. And, you know, this year was an anomaly, you know, yeah. was there wasn't, there wasn't a great hatch this year, but it's not usually like that. And so I just kind of knowing that versus, uh, uh, you know, versus, you know, just trying to figure it out in a hurry. There's something nice about, there's something calming about that. That's it. It doesn't feel so, doesn't feel so pressured. Yeah. That's a great point, man. Like it's not as, there's just not as much pressure and it's, I would love to say that I just can go out on the river and not want to catch fish and just, (laughs) just wait and be with one with nature. And there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I'm trying to catch fish, man. That's you right. know, I yeah. brought my fly rod and I want to be, I want to have some success out here and uh, it's, I'm okay if I get skunked here and there, or if I don't catch a lot of fish, that's, that's fine. But only that's fine as it goes with respect to, I'm still trying to catch fish. So I, I look at it as a little small victory in the journey, you know, like I, yeah, it didn't go great today, but that's one more day in the books, you know? Right. Right. Got to, got to put in some time. And I had a, I had a year like that last year here on the, on the Pierre Marquette, which I, I you know, very, don't get skunked very often. Um, yeah. Different places I fished. And I had a, several days last, last year that just could not, could not catch fish. And it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it is frustrating. I think it's part of the it's part of the bigger journey because you're trying a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And you're eventually figuring out a few things, but it really it really just take time. It takes time and hopefully this year will be hopefully this year will be a little bit more a little bit more successful in the fish catching department. Well, I love what you said there about taking the pressure off and Yeah. It's a different right. feeling. It's a different vibe when you're in a in a place for a while, and for sure. And even if you're someplace where you know you don't have to drive as far, because there's the pressure of the drive too. Like, right, man, I drove four hours up here. You know, like, come on, I gotta on, catch Jason. the fish. Come yeah. on, yep. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the Pier Marquette since that sure. seems to be where you're settling in. You're starting to get more comfortable, and yeah. um, I'm really excited for you, man. Home home state, home waters, probably not going to move and Michigan is pretty good, man. Pretty good place to settle down if you like to fly fish. For sure. I mean, that was one of the draws here when we were, I was getting out of the military. We don't have any, my wife, neither my wife nor I have any family connections here. And, uh, and so I was looking for a place that was the right job for me, um, and the right place for our family to, to settle down. But, um, but, uh, Fishing was a was a factor in every place that we looked at. Like that right. was something that wanted to have, whether it was in 
Colorado or Washington State or back in in uh, back in South Dakota or here, you know, a number of places that we looked at. That was one of the you know that was one of the things I was trying to figure out. And so yeah, it's a great place for um, great place for great place for fly fishing. It's totally different though than any other place I've been to, in that it's mainly a nighttime fishery. Really. Okay. You're going to have to explain that. I wasn't expecting to talk about this. We were going to talk about mousing later, but yeah, like go on. It, it <laughs> is, um, you know, in, in, um, in comparison to like some of the freestone waters out West or, you know, kind of the classic, um, you know, rivers we think about, uh, uh, big horn or Gallatin or, you know, these Montana or Colorado rivers. Um, most of the hatches happen um, in that kind of half hour before dark and half hour after dark. That golden—that's the golden hour here. And so, a gray drake hatch that's coming up. You, you might as well just just have a big breakfast and drink hmm. coffee for a while in the morning, and um, you know, don't get up, don't get up super early. You, you'll find you'll find a few fish here and there. But the, the time to fish is, is really, you know, you're starting at like six o'clock at night is going to be the, it's going to be prime time. And then it, 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 um, especially if these hatches happen, it's going to get, it's going to get better and better, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. And then as late as you want to stay out, they'll, it will usually, um, the hatches will usually happen for, for a while after dark. Um, and the hex hatch is all at night. I mean, it doesn't even get started. I mean, it's like a 11 p to to 5 a.m. Uh, uh, fish, wow. and it is all by sound usually, and you're casting in the dark, which is um, which is still um, still something I'm getting used to, because you don't have those visual uh, those visual cues um, when you're casting that that most people are used to, and so. Um, so that's been something to get used to. And the people, um, the folks that have fished their whole lives here and are really used to that nighttime, uh, fishery are, um, are really enamored with, I mean, really like passionate about it. Like just, it's so exciting being out in the dark, hearing these big, you know, bowling balls, you know, mm-hmm. splashing, you know, 10 feet from you and casting to those, uh, to those sounds, um, which it is, it is exciting and it is a little unnerving too at the same time, especially if you don't know the river really well. It right. is, uh, it can be, you're kind of thinking like, am I going to step into a, am I going to step into a big hole and, uh, and be, and be swimming here, uh, in a minute, but that's, that's what it is. And if you want to catch fish, you're mainly, if you want to catch fish on dry flies, you're definitely near dark or after dark. And, um, and if you want to catch big fish you it's pretty much all after dark you're not catching most people are not catching big fish during the day some some streamers if you're gonna uh if you're gonna you know throw streamers you're, you can you can you can certainly get some fish um during the day but nighttime is the nighttime is the right time well what about nymphing so i got two questions or yeah. i guess just one what about nymphing i mean do you not is it just the hatches during the nighttime or i mean they must be so yeah, people nymph, people nymph some. Um, and, um, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I have not gotten into it for one reason. 
And the one, <laughs> the one reason is there's so much woody debris in the water that I, I started, I, I, when I first came here at NIMPT and I, um, I lost so many flies in such a, at such a spectacular rate in such a short <laughs> amount of time that I said, forget this. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to. So you're dry you know, or die. The uh, dryers or, or streamers. I mean, I fish streamers and yeah. you know, those, you know, kind of strip across the faster water and you, and you know, it's these big undercut banks on the Pierre Marquette and you look and you want some while see fish, but you don't see fish like you do, like in the San Juan where it's just fish everywhere. You see fish once in a while. You mean in the water? Like in the, in the water. Yeah. Sight fishing. Uh, but most of them are way back underneath these deep undercut banks or they're in, they're in big log piles and they come out. To, I mean, they're, they'll, they're vulnerable to being caught really at night. Is that what yeah. makes it special for you? You've kind of fallen in love with this. I mean, if the locals are, this is their thing and yeah. now you're, you're falling into that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm way. getting, I'm getting used to it. I'm even planning my, uh, planning this next week. I'm going up there for a couple of days and, and just thinking about how, like I planned like my work day on, on Wednesday when I come back, doesn't start until I made it not start until like 10 o'clock. So I'd have time to fish really late and then, uh, and then get back and get back in the morning. So yeah, it's just a different, it's just different. And then mousing at night, especially during the summer after the main hatches have happened or really all summer. Um, mousing at night is, uh, is, is, um, actually it's a lot of fun that that (laughs) it is, it is fun. Are you, is it a, you make a transition? Do you make a transition between like, okay, I'm the, the hatch is kind of slowing down. Now I'm going to switch over to mousing or is it like tonight we go mousing. Right. We just, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, basically, that's basically what it is. I think the, the I mean, guys were mousing um, a couple of weeks ago and I was up there, they were mousing at night and caught a few, few fish and you're after, I mean, the big fish are yeah. the ones that you're after with, with the mice patterns. And so um, the, uh, I think it's good pretty much the whole year. Um, obviously when there's big organized hatches, um, taking place, the fish are really keying in on the on the bugs in the water, and I don't think anybody mouses during um, during the hex hatch, probably. But right. um, but the rest of the the rest of the time when there's they, there's just not the same number of like you don't get a betas hatch every afternoon like you do in in some place in Colorado, like in August September. Um, you don't get like these kind of iconic, you know, you know, dry fly hatches for sure. You don't, you don't, you have kind of a couple main hatches and for the Pierre Marquette, it's in my opinion. And again, yeah. I'm fairly kind of I'm learning this game. Yeah. It's mainly, a, it's mainly a, a gray Drake in the upper river and then hex in the lower river. Okay. Well, let's talk more about the hatches. So, there's these two who kind of stand out and it sounds like those are kind of like the, the game in town for mm-hmm. the, the dry fly game. And it's mm-hmm. late at night. What time of year are the, are they going off? And can you talk a little bit about the, I guess, geography of the river or how it's broken sure. up? Yeah. So it's, uh, it flows, um, east to west and, um, flows into Lake Michigan. And so the, um, kind of the, the, area that I fish and that probably 
most people fish most commonly is is uh, from the the Michigan 37, the M37 bridge down. And then there's a number of takeouts uh, there. I actually prefer wade fishing. So I usually um, concentrate mainly on the, the kind of the waters of the camp that I belong to, which is, uh, which is a full, you know, whole day fish really from, from top to bottom. And um, um, just, it's just, it is a really beautiful hardwood forest, big looping bends, um, a lot of debris, a lot of kind of obstacles, um, and varied water. They get salmon run, they get a big steelhead run. Uh, there's a lot of Browns, there's some rainbows. Um, and yeah, it's just a really, it's just a gentle, it's a gentle river is the best way to describe versus like when we were in Alaska, all those rivers are just like, yeah, they're going to kill you if you're not careful. Yeah. And, and, and this one is just like, it's just genteel. And there's something about that. That's really, um, that's really endearing. Yeah. Well, didn't, I mean, I'm imagining like these forests and this river and I mean, this is the old days of trout and limited and stuff is up there too. For right? Sure. These For are sure. the original waters of that organization. And Correct. so there's that kind of a historic nostalgia to it as well yeah. in my brain. When I think of it, it's one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why I want to go fish there is to I don't know, just kind of wade through some of those streams that I know that a bunch of people did a long time ago as it was kind of building up in North America and the United States and uh, that type of thing. For sure. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. The um, uh, Baldwin, Baldwin Creek, which is right there and the, the confluence of Baldwin Creek and the Pierre Marquette are just down from, is down from the area that I usually fish, uh, was the site of brown trout introduction to North America. Oh wow! In 1884, um, so it's not um, it's not one of the classic trout streams that we think of for brown trout, like the Batten Kill or the you know the rivers out east. It was actually Baldwin Creek in Little Baldwin, Michigan, um, yeah. an hour from here, that um, they had American heroes. American heroes. So the <laughs> uh, the, the story is that um, there was some baron in Germany. That had that had um, gifted um, a bunch of German brown trout eggs to um, some American folks in in exchange for some whitefish eggs that he mm. wanted, and so these hatched and grew into fry, and um, they were on a uh, they were on a railroad car being trans um, um, transferred from uh, Hatchery in Lower Michigan to up to the Traverse City area in Upper Michigan along with a bunch of lake trout fry, which were the main reason. They just kind of threw them on the car. Oh, we have some extra room. We'll throw these brown trout fry on and and they'll put them in the waters up in northern Michigan. Well, I'm not sure that the story has a couple different. One of the stories is that the train broke down over um, Baldwin Creek. And one of the stories is that the the water in the, the milk cans that these these brown trout fry were in was getting too warm. And maybe it was both. I don't I don't know. But they just have to be at a railroad trestle um, with, with the Creek running underneath and they dumped out these melt melt cartons into the Creek with, um, Brown, with small, with Brown trout fry. And, um, and that was, that was it. That was the first time that they swam in North American, uh, waters. And that was the, I fished from that railroad trestle downstream, um, for a whole day, actually a few weeks ago. And it was like, there's no plaque there. 
Yeah. There's no monument. There's no anything, but freaking amazing. Yeah, it's to be special, man. to be at uh, to be at that that spot where, um, you know, this fish that we that I get kind of crazy about chasing, um, kind of had its birthplace at least in in North America. Yeah, little did they know that Adam would one day be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's just you get up there. So I walked up. I walked down these railroad tracks to this this railroad trestle, which I knew it was there, and I kind of knew the story behind it. And I kind of expected to see something like, or like there would be something there, like right. a, like a statue of a guy jumping a milk like, or what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or no, like a, a beam of light coming from heaven or something. And, yeah, uh, there was. It was just a kind of an eroded bank, and you know, really pretty water, crystal clear water. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a great day. Yeah, you know, I spent the whole day. It was you know. Um, just I had needed to get away, take a break from the grind at work and 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 that. And I spent the whole day by myself and fished just downstream for six or seven hours. And I don't know, I caught a half dozen fish and and nothing nothing real big. Um, but watch some uh, watch a nesting pair of bald eagles that were yeah. their nest was right above right above the river, and they I kind of stopped there and they didn't like that and they you know kind of you know, hooted and hissed and, and yeah. spat at me. And, you know, it's, it, just being in those, those places and it helps to catch fish. Like you said, helps to catch, you know, keep you interested, but um, being in something, being in a place like that with that history is, is pretty special. That's uh, really special, man. It's a, uh, it's a cool thing that we have in this country, you know, mm-hmm. that we're able to do that. And uh, I don't know. I, your, your bald eagle got my patriotism buttons going. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it's a, it's a cool, it is a cool thing, man. Um, do you ever chase, do you ever go after the salmon and steelhead or is it, are you a trout guy or sp- you haven't been there long enough to get into that? Cause that's a whole nother game, yeah. like different rigs and stuff. And flies. It is another game. Um, steelhead I've been after a couple times and I, um, am not very experienced and, um, <laughs> just don't, I just, I don't go enough do yeah. steelheading enough to um I'd, I'd like to i'd like to get into the steelhead game because that's uh that sounds like a lot of fun um salmon i mean when salmon are in the river they're not you're just kind of hooking them like they're not they're not really chasing much um so i've caught i've got a, i've caught a few just just by accident you know really fishing uh fishing uh you know egg patterns below spawning salmon and and uh, for the trout and and um uh, hooked into a couple you try not to you f- i always worry i'm gonna break a rod or something you know doing that so you have like a just standard what kind of rig do you fish with out there yeah just a nine foot five weight or nine foot six weight um and so think about kind of getting into the the um the bamboo rod game for these little little streams out here never never done it um but uh, a lot of people fish fish bamboo too well yeah it goes back to It'd be cool to be fishing those old streams, like with that heritage, with that kind right. of a, a rig. That'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah. I have a bamboo rod that my grandfather had when he got back from the war. And that's um, cool. Yeah. I was in the in our basement and my family's from back east. And um, my father moved to Montana when he was very young, like 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, 
mostly for adventure. He just kind of wanted to be in the mountains and he went and married my mom in New Jersey. They moved out to Montana and lived there for a while. And then turns out there's no work for people in 19, in the seventies in Montana. (laughs) So he went to Washington and that's where they started a family and my brother and I were born there. But somehow these fly rods, there's two of them got in the, into our basement. I'm sure we went back one time and maybe they, they mailed them to him. I don't know, but they were there forever. Had no idea when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. And they're a junkie, man. They were all kind of, they weren't very right. nice. Um, my, I, I really started to get into fly fishing in school and, and do the best I could to stick with it throughout my career in the air force. My brother got married. This is about you, man, but I'm just telling the story. I don't know why <laughs> if we can edit the whole thing out. I don't know. <laughs> But I want my brother got married, and uh, he, as a gift for his for being the the best man at his wedding, he had this thing, uh, this fly rod, like restored by, oh, like, that's amazing, artwork, dude. I mean, it's and it came in a box, and I was weeping. I mean, it was oh, yeah. pretty fantastic. Uh, so he's got amazing. one in his house, and we have the other in my house. So. I don't know. Sometimes people look down their nose a little bit at the bamboo, like, oh, you got to be rich to fl- to fish these bamboo rods or you got to be, I don't know, maybe they don't think that, but I know the bamboo rods can be pricey. Yeah. Um, but have you have fished a, it at all? Uh, no. And so that's a good question. He, the guy asked him, do you want this to be, it's totally restored. The only thing that isn't the original pieces is the threads, the, the wraps. Yeah, sure. Um, do you want it to be uh, fishable or do you want it to be like a piece of art, like just on mm-hmm. the wall? Because th- I think the other thing he had to replace was the, uh, they had to replace something in the butt end, I think as well. Anyway, um, my brother said he wanted, uh, he wanted me to be able to fish it. So I haven't fished it yet. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to break it. Yeah, I know. Um, but I may one day that'd be, I should, you know, even if I do break it, it'd still be cool. To, and yeah, you guys so. get it. You guys get repaired. People yeah. repair those. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm supposed to be able to fish it. So maybe I'll fish it with him someday and my dad or. It is really interesting. When you start talking to those people that make, I've uh, a guy here, older guy that I know. I hope he's not listening. Cause I, he's not really that old, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, um, he's really into making bamboo rods that he's like gotten into over the last 15 years. Yeah, and they have a they. Uh, he was telling me recently that they have a, a big bamboo fly rod um, makers convention out on the on the Osable up wow. in um, north north uh, northeast Michigan. That's the yeah. that's kind of the birthplace of Chart Unlimited. And yeah. these guys get together and they talk about you know just the the machining down to like you know thousandths yeah. of an inch required to get these these tapers right and. Mm-hmm all the stuff is pretty incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's like really appealing. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe after the kids are older and I have a little bit more time and I can actually fish as much as I want. Right. And maybe, then maybe, uh, maybe that would be, that. I think it would be super cool. Yeah. You don't want to take up fishing time with non-fishing activities. Right. But <laughs> winters are pretty long in Michigan. I was going to so, say you, you, you probably tie a little bit. That's right. Um, do you tie uh, like the hex and the drake and those types of things? I was going to ask you mm-hmm. before I asked you about the river. I was going to ask you um, 
what time of year are we talking about? Cause these are kind of unique hatches and you said that they don't happen every night. Right. So typically the, the, the gray Drake hatch is now until, you know, so, first week in June. So middle of May until yeah. June, middle, middle of, June. of May. And even towards the end of May, like the, you know, 20th, let's say like the, some, somewhere between the 20th of May and the 10th of June. Yeah. Um, last year it was really spotty. The year before I was up there the 22nd and 23rd and I was three days early. Yeah. And so this year I just keep trying. I'm going to go up several times and, and try to just try to catch a night when it's really on. Cause apparently it's, it's amazing when it's on, it's, it's on. And then the, um, the hex hatch is really later on in June, kind of like the 20th of June or so through the 10th of July, somewhere in there. Right. And it varies year to year on temps and everything, but that's a ballpark right. kind of thing. That's kind of ballpark, yeah. All right. Yep. Well, I got to ask, man. So if these are the two hatches and you're a dry or die guy, what are you doing like in April or what are you doing in September? Yeah, I mean, it's it's mainly a streamer game for, play, for, for me. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's streamers and, and um, you know, it's... I'm still learning that too. I would say, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of cursing when that <laughs> $5 streamer is hung up on a log, like three feet under the water. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, I don't, for whatever reason, I just haven't gotten into tying those. They seem a little bit, they're a little bit intimidating or something to, yeah. you know, and it shouldn't be because they're just, you know, strips of rabbit fur that are like tied a to lot a of them. big hook, yeah. a lot of them. So, the thing um, that's intimidating to me, I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but like the thing that I think I would struggle with is the the buck hair, you know, mm-hmm. like when they have flies like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't have a bit, I don't have a great streamer game myself either, but uh, uh, I'm working on it. You know, I got big, big plans. Yeah. What, what rivers do you mainly fish? Uh, I fish the, the white river and the okay. Ozarks. And, okay. Um, there's a couple of creeks that run out of there. And then I've been, it's a long drive down to the actual um, North Fork of the White River, but I'll, mm-hmm. I fish like Taney Como below okay. Table Rock Dam. Okay. Um, it's a White River system in the Ozarks, yeah. that type yeah. of thing. And then I do trips out to Utah or Montana when I can. And I do a, I do a couple trips a year with my dad and my brother, call it the cool. Shemchuk Rendezvous. Cool. And, uh, when I got off of active duty, you know, I just, I just worked all the time, Adam. I mean, yeah. I was happy. I was loving it. You know, I was happy flying and I didn't feel like I was working that much, but when I look back at it, I was, and we are also all over the world. Um, and I just didn't spend a lot of time with my family, you know, yeah. my brother, my father, they're from Washington. And I, I left when I was 18 and, you yep. know, I mean, we're talking count on my fingers times I've been home in the, in that career in the air force, right. you know? Right. And, um, I mean, they sometimes would come visit me and stuff, but, um, anyway, the point of that is when I got off active duty, I joined the reserves, uh, air force reserves. So I was still flying. And then I, I went to the airlines, kind of made a commitment, kind of happened on accident where I, I did a trip with my dad to the Provo river Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're like, oh, I wish Drew was here. You know, I wish my brother was here and like, next time we're going to do this again, he'll come. And then 
I just was like, we're going to do this every year, twice a year. And oh, that's so good. Yeah. And so it's a great way to get, get out too, you know, cause you put it on the books and you get excited. And when you're doing the one you're on, you're, you're planning the next one. Right. And, um, you know, you're tying flies for it and you're talking about it and, uh, figuring out who's buying the whiskey and all, all right. that stuff, right. like right. all the planning. So that's, yeah. Um, I do that, but that's the main game. It's three and a half hours down to the, uh, to Tanny Como and the white okay. river. Yeah. And so I don't know, I'm in a season of my life where my, my daughter is about seven months old Oh, and yeah, we had some stuff when she was born. So it was, yeah, ah, yeah it was tough. It's been tough yep. recently, yep. but Yep. That's that's why I was kind of excited to talk to you in the beginning about that and the the different seasons and I think sprints and stuff. But for sure, I've got I've got a lot of plans to get to the talking a lot more about me than I thought I would tonight. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got plans to 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 get out west and maybe uh, put myself in a situation where I'm I'm going a little bit more. But we'll see yeah. how that goes. Yeah, I think uh, you know the one thing that now having been through kind of the baby babyhood with yeah. children and your um and this goes back to like just talking to regular regular people because this is how it really is you you have small children yeah and it is just and if you have multiple small children it's just it's oh. just a time and everybody always they like chuckle and they say Oh man, I remember those days. It's gonna get uh, it's gonna get easier. I promise you it's gonna you're like Yeah. It's not gonna freaking get easier. It's gonna it's gonna be like this forever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden and all of a sudden your youngest is yeah. you know, now our young youngest is four and she's kinda of self sufficient. She you know, she doesn't doesn't poop her pants anymore and like right. you know, kind of the, that kind of stuff and and so it does get does get easier to get out. And then you're taking them dunking worms in South Dakota, right? Oh, like can't that's wait. That's the thing with, uh, we're yeah. going to th- be out there this summer and, um, yeah, I can't, can't wait. My eight year old is, uh, is already, is already talking about it. He still remembers from being out there last year, just, yeah. you know, drifting worms over. You can't even see over the edge and just drifting worms through these, through these That's things. Cool. And that'll be special too, because it'll have that kind of nostalgia for you yeah. as well. Yep. And, uh, I was going to bring this up earlier. I forgot, but it's different when kids are catching fish because they're little people. So the little fish seem bigger. I always oh, yeah. think about that one. My, well, cause a lot of times I'll, I'd take my son, he, my son is seven or no, he's six, six yeah. and a half. Um, I don't, I forgot how old my son is on my <laughs> podcast, but he's six and you can edit that part out. <laughs> you know, don't scroll. Yeah, right. So I, um, when I take him and we get into like, you know, sometimes you get into a a place on a river or especially small creeks, you know, small creeks are great for kids because they, you know, they don't have to worry about them getting washed away and drowning, you know, like, and, uh, and there's typically, I don't know, like little, little fish, but they're aggressive, you know, and they're, they're biting elk hair caddis and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, and you can catch a lot of times you catch a bunch of them. I think that's the best thing for kids to get them into fishing sure. It's just because they're catching lots of fish and they're, they're little, little fish, but they think they're big and they're having right. fun and right. they can throw rocks and they can tool around on the shore. And it's like, it's, it's not, 
it's not this you're not stuck in a boat with them and stuff right. although right. i've got plans for all that but <laughs> uh you know it's, you know, it's, fu- it's funny that you bring that up because i i was out when my oldest son was like maybe four and i was out with my dad and him and we were at this lake that was it was it had been stocked but it wasn't fish very much the fish grew and he was fishing with a whatever bobber and a worm and catching one right after the other like i yeah. did i did i brought a fly rod with it just sat in the boat the whole time and he um and he just you know he's like i don't know what you, he was like you know looking at looking at me like i don't know what your problem is dad and this isn't that hard yeah. he, just, he just reeled him in and uh, we were getting towards the end of it and i don't know he'd caught a dozen dozen or so trout and i looked at my dad and i said i wonder if this is this is a good idea i mean it might it might kind of spoil them like for what it's usually like and he's like yeah or it might teach him to love fishing i'm like (laughs) bingo that's 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 exactly right so i think you're exactly right like if you can put um put kids especially when they're kind of in their formative years trying to decide what they like into a situation where they can catch fish and even for us now you know it is it's it's um it's a little panfish we live on a lake here and it's a little panfish and i'll i'll bring a fly rod and and, uh, you know cast poppers for for bass and that sort of thing but um but as long as they're catching fish they are really happy and i think that will that will carry over and that will that will um give them i think that i would guess the same kind of enjoyment that we've had yeah, I'm taking my son tomorrow, and we're going for bass and mm-hmm. bluegill and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm going to bring a fly rod because mm-hmm. I'm mostly just going to be hanging with him and him doing his thing. So it's awesome. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to ask you a few more questions about the Pier Marquette before sure. we kind of wrap up, Adam. But yep, um, you mentioned that you like to wade it. So I'm assuming you can drift it too if you want, right? For sure. Yeah. A lot of people drift it. It's, um, it, there's a lot of twists and turns and there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of trees and woody debris in the water. Um, but, but very driftable because it's a fairly gentle river for the most part. There's not real fast rapids or something, you know, things like that. You got a lot of time to think about what you're going to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like, and, um, what's access like? Do they have, is it, there's lots of public access and then, um, is it high watermark or how's it getting around on the water on the river? Yeah. So, uh, public access for, if you're drifting, it's not a problem. Um, if you're in a boat and you can use a boat spotter service that is a number of them around there. Um, and there's, I don't know, five or six good access points, good in, put, put in and take out points. What's a um, boat spotter service? Oh, it's just they'll they'll um or car spotter. I'm sorry, car spotter service. They'll just uh, they'll just bring they'll bring your they'll bring your car down to the the launch that you're taking out. Yeah, gotcha. And um, and so um, good for drift boats. Um, it is not real great access for waiting. Um, up up high, it's a little bit better. Um, down the river further than what I usually fish. Um, and so as long as you're in the, in the water, my understanding, as long as you're in the water, um, you're, you're fine. Mm. And for the most part, if you're, if you're getting around a big, you know, yeah. a big, uh, brush pile or something that you can't, you can't, uh, safely navigate. It is, uh, you're, um, you're okay. But yeah. so 
Access what? is not access is not great up up river. It's a little bit better the further you get down river. Okay. If you had to pick two days in the year to go fish the Pier Marquette, uh, which two days would you fish, and what would you? How would you be fishing? I mean, I I think you know I probably I probably yeah or nights. two nights two nights <laughs> I would you know I'd fish um I'd I'd probably fish the two the two main hatches I'd fish the gray drake hatch I'd I'd pick the night that it was just going to be awesome and just and 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 uh, somehow know that that was that was the night that was going to happen and, and be up there. And, uh, and then probably the hex hatch and, uh, you know, um, I would mouse if there's not, uh, if, if for every reason the bugs don't show up, yeah. um, you know, I would, uh, I would mouse that mouse that water, um, too. And, and you have, I mean, the, the fish that come out of there are just some brutes and they're all, they're all, um, wild fish too, which I think is pretty cool. Those are all fish that have, that are naturally, rep- it's a naturally producing stock, which are there know, rainbows think- up there too? There's some rainbows, not very many though. I've, I've only caught a handful, um, here. So you don't, hmm. you don't see very many. It's mostly Browns used to be grayling like way back in the day. Um, and those, like those kind of disappeared about a hundred years ago. So hmm. what's something you learned on the river recently that you, uh, either relearned it or you, you were up there and you're like, Oh, I had a little breakthrough on the Pier Marquette today. Yeah. Uh, it was actually. I was, um, you know, I was streamer fishing actually a, a month ago on Baldwin Creek and, you know, you end up with all these kind of exotic streamers that, you know, just diff all this stuff with, uh, you know, with, with different colors and tinsel and, and, uh, and I ended up kind of going smaller with the streamers which seemed to be the, the, the ticket and going back to a woolly bugger, which, yeah. you know, there's a reason that that fly freaking catches fish everywhere. It's just a great, it's a great fly. It is a good fly. It's good to nymph. It's good to strip. It's good to exactly. swing. You can do, you can do almost anything with it. And, um, and I was like, man, I, I get kind of, I get kind of caught up with all these, you know, different sculpin and, and all these different, these big streamers and, um, what really what happened is it was woolly a brown woolly bugger was the was the 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 game of the day and once i kind of figured that out um that that worked pretty well what's one of your most special memories on the pier marquette Mm. um probably the first uh uh the first time i was up there um fished with with uh, my neighbor friend Bill up there, and it's just like one of those things where you you get up there and you just you you get a sense for the history of of this place, and um, and it's just like one of those really hot, muggy like June nights, and all of a sudden you know you you start seeing bugs coming off the water, and you start seeing fish rising, you know, you know five feet from you where you're standing. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, there's something about that first, first time that you're there. That is, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Got bigger fish since then. Um, but, uh, but I think the first time, the first time I was there, uh, was probably the most, probably the most memorable. Cool. Yeah. How about mousing? Let's, let me ask you a couple of questions about mousing. Sure. 
Um, all right, do you fish the mouse like a, a streamer? Are you stripping it, or are you just kind of throwing it to the bank and then letting it kind of go where you where you think a mouse would fall in the water, and then from there swim for your life or something? Yeah. So typically, what I do and what I've learned, and and again, I'm still learning this. Uh, this is this is a new game, fairly new game for me. Um, casting either across a, a stream or even upstream, and letting it strip down, and letting a big loop develop in your in your line. So that all of a sudden, when that when that loop starts catching water, it it starts dragging that mouse a little bit faster than the current, which um, uh, which kind of simulates that mouse swimming for its little swimming for its little life. So mouse life, little mouse life, and then uh, <laughs> and then as that as that um, loop straightens out below you, then you're stripping it in just just enough to create a wake um, in the water. Oh, that's, that's, uh, you know, you're really getting takes either on the, uh, either on that swing or on the strip, strip back. But the key is letting that big, uh, letting that big loop develop downstream from the, from the mouse. So not necessarily have to be right uh, up against the shore type of thing. Cause I guess if you're waiting, you're not in a boat, so it'd be harder to kind of get that. But are you looking for like structure or, you know, I would assume you're looking for places that mice would be. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for, you're looking for, you're looking to drift it down into structure or drift it down close to structure. But you know, it's, I think my theory is it's making enough disturbance in the water that, and it's at night and there's not a lot of other things going on that just that wake and that movement is, uh, is getting fish to come out of the, come off the bottom or come out of the structure. And, um, especially the, the big fish. Yeah. I've never seen it, but it must be a pretty gnarly take when they it is it's like a it's like a bass take it's like a bass and a popper take it's just a it's a bowling ball it's awesome (laughs) cool man yep all right well uh before i ask you my last question uh is there anything else that you want to say about um your journey in fly fishing or the pier marquette or what what you love about fly fishing yeah you know it's funny i was listening to uh the the interview they did with matt uh the (laughs) other night and i was laughing so hard when he's talking about talking about fishing in Germany. Cause I did the same thing. I, I did the test and like all the things and you're trying to, trying to figure out who the fishmeister is and where to get your ticket for the day. Yeah. That was a good episode. And, 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 um, you know, this whole idea of like catching releases for boating. Yeah. Right. It's you, you're catching fish to kill the fish and it seems, and it's cruel if, you know, if you don't, if you don't kill them promptly. So you got to get your, your fish, your little fish club, with it's like this lead you know club that you're supposed to club them on the head with as soon as you catch them and so i had done all that and i fished this little i don't even remember what the river's name was in germany and um and i'm fishing i'm nymphing or whatever i was doing and got a fish on and um stripped it in and here it was a um grayling which i like that's that's still one of my favorite fish to catch because they're just unbelievably beautiful and i'd always thought like man i'd love to i'd love to catch a grayling at some point be in some place i catch a grayling. here i was in germany the first fish i caught was a grayling and i'm like looking at this club and i'm like i don't Can't. care if i'm going to freaking prison i'm not killing this fish yeah. it's gonna it's gonna go back it's gonna stay wet and it's gonna go back in the water Good and, for you, uh, man. And, and so I, I looked looked around. And, yeah, you they're know, serious like, in Germany, figure, man. <laughs> the Germans out. are serious about they're rules. Very, very serious about rule following. Yeah, and there's nobody, nobody around, and so I slipped it back in the water and and okay. uh, and 
could live with myself. We'll make sure to get your name and address out on <laughs> airwaves. That's right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good story, man. Thanks that's, for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Last question. You ready? Yep. Okay. So if you could go back to when you started fishing and you were really getting into it, and, but you still had this this journey ahead of you of kind of wandering and going when you can and then eventually settling down here in Michigan, what would you tell yourself? Um, what advice would you give yourself to help you progress both kind of philosophically and tactically as a fly fisher? Well, that's a good question. Certainly don't be afraid to try new things. Um, it is, I think that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I, that I love and hate about it actually, because it's frustrating when you're, when the things that you're not doing or, or the things that you're used to doing to catch fish are not working. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, um, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, if you're, if you're, you're not used to throwing streamers, throw some streamers and, and, uh, or, you know, what, whatever it is, your own nymphing. That's the next, that's probably the next thing that I'll probably, I don't know if, it, if you've gotten into that, but I've, I've heard great things. It's really, you know, just tight lining with a, the long, long rod, but, uh, what I understand, but, um, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, and, um, I think just don't be too hard on yourself when you can't get out as much as you'd like. I guess that's one of the things I've like relaxed a little bit about that. I used to be like just more frustrated with the fact that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't fishing 50 days a year. Yeah. And in reality, that's never, that's probably never going to be real. Not, not right now. Someday it may be, but, um, not realistic right now. And, and just, it helps me just enjoy the time that, that I'm out there not to, um, not to, you know, worry that I'm not going to, I'm not going to get out enough. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's good advice, man, both tactically and philosophically, and especially the philosophy there of don't be hard on yourself because, you got a long life, man. It's a long That's journey right. and you got a lot of, a lot of seasons of your life left to kind of get out there and progress. And especially when, when, when you are trying to get better, it can be frustrating, but for sure, it's a long game. I agree. Well, thanks a lot, Adam. I really appreciate your time being on the podcast and, um, it's great talking to you. Yeah. Great talking to you too. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be fishing together sometime soon. That's right. Hopefully. Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wade Out There. <laughs>